Everyone loves spring, but constantly shifting temperatures can make it hard to keep your home comfortable. An all-electric heat pump from Mitsubishi Electric is the perfect solution. A specially trained Patriot Air contractor can help you design the ultimate home comfort system. And you'll be helping reduce carbon emissions by ditching fossil fuels for heating when temperatures start to drop again. Duct or ductless, large or small homes, even in extreme climates, heat pumps can help you shift seasons comfortably. Learn more about Mitsubishi Electric products at PatriotAir.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Got some great video content. Our YouTube handle is at LA Rams Up. You can follow us on Instagram as well. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Episode 189 of Rams Up here for you. What do I have for you this episode? Well, you might recall A couple of months ago, I had a gentleman by the name of Scott Richmond on. He's a longtime Rams fan, very knowledgeable about college football and college football players, especially the ones that he thinks might be a good fit for the Rams. We had him on. He shared all those thoughts with us prior to the draft, and I had him back at a nice, almost hour-long discussion with him talking about the Rams draft. One last assessment of the Rams 2023 NFL Draft, Scott's thoughts on how these players will fit in with the Rams, the picks he likes, the ones maybe not so much, as well as some undrafted free agents he really liked. We'll be back in a second with that long discussion with Scott Richmond. One last look at the Rams 2023 NFL Draft.
Hey everybody, I have Scott Richmond back with me. We've had Paul and Tom uh, the other day to discuss draft picks, the Rams draft picks, and I invited Scott on to share his thoughts. He spends a lot of time uh, reviewing college football players and how they might fit with our Rams. How are you doing, Scott? Uh, doing great this morning, Mark. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, now, I have not had a conversation with Scott beforehand. I have no idea where this is going to go. I have no idea how he feels about the Rams draft picks. So this will be uh, this will be fun. Let's start off by just going through these picks one by one. Uh, some of them maybe we don't need to spend as much time on as others, but the number 36 pick overall, uh, Steve Avila, I was a little bit surprised they went interior offensive line, but in retrospect, it kind of makes sense. How do you feel about that pick? Uh, like you, I was a little bit surprised also. Um, thinking that it was going to be mostly a defensive heavy draft. You know, I was thinking uh, for a few months there, I was thinking it could be an edge player uh, that they got like a, a kid from LSU, um, Ojolari or uh, Uzama. Um Thought it could be one of those, but uh, I think the the interior pick of Avila kind of told us that it. I think they uh, they set forth in the off season that they were going to do everything they needed to protect uh, Stafford, and that was a number one plan. And defense was going to be be filled up with all the remaining <laughs> other yeah. picks over. <laughs> yeah. So, but do you so you like Avila? I did. I didn't. Um, now that I've had a chance with hindsight being 2020, I, I see now why they picked him. Uh, he wasn't somebody who I thought fit their uh, profile for a, a run blocker. He seems to be have heavy feet, uh, getting out and blocking out in their wide zone scheme. Um, when I started looking at tape of Avila, I go, I just didn't think that he fit that. So I didn't really watch much tape of him after that, but um, it seems like he does have a little bit better mobility than what I had thought I'd seen. Uh, so he is, he will work in the running game because they're, they've kind of mixed in a lot of inside zone and, and some power schemes over the past year or so. So I think they'll work around with what he has, but I think it's his pass protection, uh, a number one, being able to provide a wall. Uh, for the interior pass rush to help protect Stafford, I think is one of the main reasons. Were, so. were you disappointed that they didn't take uh, Osiris Torrance instead of Avila? Did you have a preference between those two? Oh, I think I do prefer I do prefer uh, Avila. Um, I think he probably has probably a little bit better uh, even skill set between pass blocking and and run blocking. I think uh, O Torrance, I think is uh, I think he needs a little bit of little bit of work in pass protection, working against the speed rushers. But um, and I think Avila is more versatile, if I'm not mistaken. He can play all three interior and possibly right tackle as well, although I think that might be a stretch, but I think he could in an yeah, emergency situation. I agree. He can definitely play center or guard, and I think that's just awesome going into training camp. Yeah, so maybe we'll talk about that at the end if we have time. You know, um, that they have a lot of options on the offensive line now, and that's a good thing. Um, yes. We'll have to see how that breaks out. Okay. Now, the next pick, they finally did go edge. Uh, Byron Young, 
uh, out of Tennessee. And he's a guy that I, I don't know. I just did not have him on my radar, but probably should have. Uh, do you like Byron Young? Uh, I do. When I, um, I really first started looking at the edge rushers during senior bowl week. Uh, that's kind of when I really got the man crush on, um, Will McDonald from Iowa State. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but you know, after him, it's like, I saw some of the reps from Byron Young. I should just say, wow, this guy for me being just a little bit undersized that, you know, six, two, six, three. Yeah. He was winning most of his reps. He gets off the line of scrimmage really quick. And uh, I had actually mocked him to the Rams in one of my mocks as one of the second, you know, as a secondary edge player in either the third or fourth round. So um, I was very happy with the pick. Um, I think he fits the mold of some of the guys they chose in the draft. They kind of have a, uh, they kind of had to really overcome a lot of obstacles to get to where they were. Um, I think they will be a, he'll be a good leader among some of the younger players, um, was never handed anything, had to work for everything he, he achieved. And, um, I think, uh, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a starter on the offensive line, but, uh, I was going to include some other thoughts, but we'll wait around till we get to the others. Okay. Now the next guy, Kobe Turner, pick number 89 in the third round out of Wake Forest. And, how, how do you like that pick, and where do you see him fitting in on this defensive line in his rookie year? Um, <clears throat> I like the pick. I think he's very underrated. I think if you've watched anybody who's watched any of the uh, lot of the draft shows on the internet, um, very popular, <clears throat> very popular pick with a lot of people at uh, you know Pro Football Focus and um, some of the other uh, draft gurus on the internet. Rams got a, they got some AA pluses for that pick. Um, I think he's great. He's got a little bit of uh, Aaron Donald in him. He's a very um, slightly undersized at about 6'4", 275, 280. But he really knows, uh, he knows how to use his hands really well. He's very quick. Uh, He's a gap penetrator, just like uh, Aaron Donald. And uh, I think he could play opposite of him with a nose tackle and separating those two on the line if they play that three-man front. Um, I got a gut feeling he may come week one, he'll be the other defensive end opposite Donald. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my questions uh, that I primed you for. Uh, I guess what we could expect is a defensive line of Aaron Donald, Bobby Brown, and Kobe Turner, because if you have two you know, 280, 285-pound defensive lineman, you got to put someone like Bobby Brown in between them, right? Yeah, and I think Bobby Brown's the <laughs> – he's the only one on the roster that really has any of that girth to fit right. the role of the nose tackle. So um, since we last ta- spoke, um, I started thinking that, you know, I think they've got to go with a nose tackle somewhere, you know, in that either one of the third-round picks or fifth-round picks. So – uh, that's a, that's a pick that I was kind of looking forward to seeing, but evidently they think they, they have what they need already on the roster. It seems. Yeah. Kobe Turner was a controversial pick. I think there some people, like you say, really loved it. And other people thought it was a little bit early for him, but you like the pick. That's fine. Um, he was one guy that I had mocked to the Rams, not at, not in the third round though. 
but I was going based on you know the value uh, on the various draft boards, and most of them did have Kobe Turner a little bit later. Now right. pick, pick number four, uh, Stetson Bennett, the quarterback out of Georgia, and mm-hmm. this this is a spot where the Rams really there was a lot of really good players still on the board, and that's the only issue I had with going quarterback. I, I love the fact that they've improved their backup quarterback situation. At least I think so. I hope so. How do you feel about this pick? Uh, I was very surprised with the pick. Um, I didn't really do much um, studying on on Bennett, but afterwards um, I understand why. Um, he's, <laughs> I think to put it in short, he's somebody I'm not going to bet against to be successful. <laughs> Good point. Fair, fair yeah. point. Um, again, he's one of those guys that overcame a lot um, to achieve the success he has. Um, and I think he's going to be, he's, I think per what his Georgia coach said, he's, he's in the right situation to succeed with McVeigh and the system that the Rams run. So boy, I'm, I'm very excited to see him in, in training camp. Yeah, that's what I've heard a few people say. The Rams uh, preseason is going to be actually pretty exciting because yes. of guys like Bennett and all these rookies that are um, you know, trying to prove themselves real quickly. The only other thought I have on it is some people were kind of down on it saying, well, you know, you could have possibly waited and drafted Bennett in the fifth round, maybe sixth round. And I'm not too sure I follow that because um, – if you can, if you note that the uh, there was a quarterback, who was it? The other quarterback that I was following, Jake Hayner. Was it Hayner? Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was a Jake Hayner that went to the Saints, like the what, pick one before. pick before, right? And then after Bennett was picked, another two or three quarterbacks came off the board in the same round. So right, they well, how long were the Rams supposed to wait before another team took Bennett? Yeah, I think Aiden O'Connell went shortly after that and a couple of others. Yeah, so yeah. I I think uh, I'm fine with where they drafted him because uh, I, I think he's going to be better than just about all the other quarterbacks that were drafted in that same range. So, Yeah, and Bennett seems like a guy that can come in and pick up things pretty quickly, and that's what they need. They need someone that can, hey, if he's going to come in and be a game manager for two or three weeks, uh, he, I think he's a good candidate to do that. So the next pick, Nick Hampton, the edge uh, out of Appalachia, Appalachian State. Now, I have not heard anybody criticize this pick. And in passing, a lot of people, a lot, not necessarily calling it a great pick, but you can tell just about every evaluator out there likes Nick Hampton. I suspect you like this pick as well. Uh, I do. He's going to be in that same size range as uh, as Byron um, out of Tennessee. Um, though I, I do have an opinion on it. <laughs> I kind of think Young is going to win the outside line, one of the outside linebacker spots come week one. But I think he's going to go through a learning curve, being the starter, having a lot of responsibilities, uh, handling, um, you know, setting the edge in the run game. I think Hampton's going to probably have an easier job. He's probably going to be one of the backups, and he's going to be able to come in as a rookie and be part of the sub packages in a pass rush situation. And I think he 
could possibly um, achieve more in his rookie year, maybe getting more pressures than Young does based on the role that he'll probably have. So um, <clears throat> on tape, I saw that he gets, he gets off the line of scrimmage just as quick or quicker than Young does. And um, I think he'll be a force on those second and long, third and long. So what you're saying is uh, uh, Byron Young will have be a full-time starter and therefore he has to be concerned about developing his run defense as much as his pass rush, whereas Hampton will be more of a situational guy. So he could end up uh, having more splash plays because mm-hmm. situations direct that. That makes yes. sense. Um, yeah. And while we're talking about edge, we've talked about two edge rushers already. And I told you, I might ask you this question. Uh, what does this mean for Michael Hoyt? is, you know, I'm really confused about what his future role could be. He's over 300 pounds. The Rams Mm -hmm. moved him outside because they really had nobody else to put out there to help Leonard Floyd. Do you think Michael Hoyt's role will change now? Um, I have to think so. I think he's probably going to move inside to um, occupy either help out at the nose tackle position or, or defensive end wherever he's needed. I think he's going to be the Swiss army knife of that front seven. Now he doesn't necessarily have to be put out at the outside linebacker like he did. Yeah, And much like the offensive line, the Rams are really adding guys that are versatile and can be used in a lot of ways. Uh, That seems to be, if there was one thing I've noted about the Rams over the last, over this draft and recently they they're adding players that they can use in different ways, that can fill different roles. Um, now, in the fifth round, they added Warren McClendon, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. So how do you feel about this pick? I don't know much about McClendon. I know that's about where he was pegged to go, I think, in the fifth or sixth round. And, hey, just beefing up that offensive line a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't study much about watch much tape on McClendon. Uh, but once they selected him, I did a little research and it looked like he is just a stone wall and pass protection. I don't think he gave up any, any sacks, maybe one or two pressures, uh, this past year, uh, blocking for Stetson Bennett. And, um, it was interesting that during draft weekend, um, both McVeigh and, um, Lesney did two separate interviews, you know, during the draft process. And they both kind of said the same thing that uh, they alluded to bringing in Avila and then putting McClendon in with them uh, to basically provide a wall for Stafford for interior pass rushes coming up through the middle of the line, allowing him ample time and room to step up into the pocket and be the quarterback that he should be (laughs) as opposed to last season. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting that it kind of alluded to the fact that there's maybe a chance they're going to move McClendon, try him at guard possibly uh, during, during during summer training camp. Now that's interesting because uh, I was thinking he'd be maybe the heir apparent to Rob Havenstein. But again, it's another guy that can play multiple positions. And right. if they do move him inside, it's just going to be – it's going to be so competitive there. You got Logan Bress, Brian Allen, Coleman Shelton, uh, Avila, potentially McClendon. And uh, I saw one 
someone posted a starting uh, offensive line for the Rams, uh, one of the websites. I just saw it this morning, and they had uh, Brian Allen wasn't a starter on that offensive line, which that mm. could come to pass. I know a lot of people are disappointed with his play, his availability as much as anything. But again, Rams have a lot of options across that interior, that's for sure. Now, the next pick was was uh, round five as well, pick 175, Davis Allen, the tight end out of Clemson. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about Allen, especially in the red zone. How did you feel about this pick? I know there's a lot of – this was a really good draft for tight ends. Davis Allen might have been like the eighth or ninth ranked tight end. I'm just guessing here. But Yeah, um, I thought um... – after watching some tape on him, I thought he was a very well-balanced uh, tight end. There's so many tight ends that just basically, they don't even line up as a tight end. They they split out wide and they run, you know, 75% of what they do is just outside as, a, as, an, as an outside receiver. And they don't really have any blocking skills. Um, Allen's a little bit different. He does have a complimentary skill set he can block um he can run routes he he is great at using his body to box out like a basketball player uh be able to screen defenders off he has uh, <clears throat> he has a pretty good leaping ability he has great hands um i think Les need said he's got he's got soft pillow hands you know throwing the ball like him having a pillow and catching it so um I'm pretty impressed with his skill set overall. I think he's going to be comp- be a compliment to uh, Higby and the others in the tight end room. And um, I'm I'm more concerned with tight ends that can block. So I was very happy that he does have the skills to come in day one and be able to be competent. You don't necessarily draft uh, tight ends for their ability to play multiple positions, but you draft tight ends that have that can play in any set and in any situation and Davis Allen fits that bill like you say not not a pure blocking tight end not a pure receiving tight end he can do a little bit of everything and yeah I heard him refer to it might have been uh McVeigh or Snead that called him a human vacuum cleaner really good <laughs> on contested catches yes uh, always comes down with it What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. All right, the next pick, we're still in the fifth round, pick 177, and it's the uh, wide receiver out of BYU, Puka Nakua. How do you feel about that pick? Oh, I, th- I think it's great. Um, I think they got great value uh, with Nakua. People had um, compared him to Robert Woods. Uh, he's very similar in size to Robert Woods. Um, his testing numbers are almost a mirror image of Woods. Um, Puka's he's physical. You know, you can you can ask him to block in the running game, just like Cooper Cup does, and what Robert Woods used to do. Um, he's very good with the ball in his hands. You can use him on jet sweeps. Um, he's very quick. I mean, that first day or two at the senior bowl, he was separating from receivers. He was probably that second day of practice. He was probably 
the most notable wide receiver um, who made the most noise, you know, before he got injured. And um, he's got decent long speed. He's got four or five speeds, so he's not going to really take the top end off of the defense, but <clears throat> the Rams have others who can do that. So um, I think he's going to fill in uh, at, at the wide receiver position two or three quite easily from day one. So I think it's, uh, you know, two thumbs up. He was a guy that I did not look into much prior to the draft. Paul Wally, uh, uh, one of my guests, was mentioned him and fell in love with him and was thrilled the Rams drafted him. And he's another guy from my research can could potentially play almost any wide receiver position. They can use him in a lot of different ways. So again, that versatility. And I, I saw some interviews of him. I saw a film of his pro day. And he just seems like a guy that lights up a room as well. I believe he was a team captain, really popular with his teammates, great locker room guy. So I was really happy with that pick as well. Uh, round six, and you know, I thought the Rams were going to go edge and a couple of cornerbacks early. They draft their first cornerback in the sixth round. Uh, Trevius Hodges Tomlinson, Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew, the cornerback out of TCU, sometimes regarded as the best cornerback in college football, last to the sixth round. Due to his size, he's very small, but mm -hmm. very tenacious as well. Uh, round six, pick 182, they get the cornerback. How do you feel about that pick? It's certainly good value, right? Oh, yeah. I think uh, some um, I saw a couple of draft reports that said the Rams got got one of the best steals of the draft with getting Tomlinson at that at that part of the draft. Um, I'm not a fan of the size. I typically prefer cornerbacks that are at least five eleven taller. If they're going to be if they're going to play in the slot, you can probably get get away with the shorter height and shorter length. Uh, but he makes up up for it with uh, being so tenacious um he gave up i think his passer rating when um when being targeted is one of the lowest in the country i mean he hardly gives up any completions when when targeted so uh i can't wait to see see him be able to play in the slot he's he's as aggressive uh you know bringing down ball carriers in the running game just as he is defending passes so um he should be very similar to Nicole Roby Coleman, who was very successful with the Rams a few years ago. Oh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. And I think the cornerback group is still the one group on this team that scares me the most, that worries me the most. So I think he's going to play. Yeah. Uh, round six still, pick 189, the edge rusher out of Nebraska, Mathis. Mm -hmm. This is another guy that I had – totally missed i was be quite honest completely unaware of him how did you feel about this pick at the time i was a little bit indifferent um i don't think it's probably the right spot for him to be drafted i just don't know if his um <clears throat> if his traits or skill set along with his production is going to really going to pan out i think with the guys that were drafted ahead of him <clears throat> i think he may um, I don't think he's going to make the 53-man roster. He may make the practice squad. Um, so I think he's just going to be depth. Um, I think for for what type of ath ath 
athlete he is. He just really didn't produce his first year or two at uh, TCU. You know, he was a teammate of Tomlinson and Avila before he transferred to Nebraska. So <clears throat> his year at Nebraska wasn't wasn't that great. He did, you know, produce a little bit, but um, I just think he'll he'll probably end up on the practice squad and end up being depth if somebody needs to be called up. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. This is the one pick, one of the picks that I didn't really generate a lot of excitement on my behalf. But I also feel like when you get into the sixth and seventh round, I'm perfectly okay, especially when you have 14 picks. I'm perfectly okay with taking a flyer on someone that you saw something. One of the scouts saw something in the guy. Hey, let's go get him. Um, what are the odds that he's going to? end up being a really productive NFL player, probably probably pretty small, but hey, we're talking sixth and seventh round, so I'm okay with that. Yes. And now we're into the seventh round, and you talk about value. Everybody was really thrilled with the Rams getting Zach Evans, the running back this late, uh, the running back out of Ole Miss. Did you like that pick? Uh, I did. I thought it was great value. He was... You know, at one time he was one of the top, how would you say, recruits out of high school. I mean, I think he was, I think he was like a five-star recruit, um, you know, started at uh, another TCU player <laughs> um, who ended up having some issues, um, ended up having to tra- transfer out and go to Ole Miss, play his last cl- college year at Ole Miss. Um, but playing in the SEC, he had one of the, the um the highest yards per carry in one of the toughest divisions. And um, when you look at his, when you look at his play, he's, he's very explosive. Um, I think like over 35% of his runs went for first downs. Uh, Very good at breaking tackles. Um, I think he's going to be a great compliment to Cam Akers. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to get carries. This is another group that I thought the Rams had to improve. And I think they did. Uh, with I think it's a good running back room now. Cam Akers, Kyron Williams, and Zach Evans. Probably not in that order. I, I suspect Evans jumps Kyron Williams on the depth chart. Williams probably be more of a situational running back, I think. Uh, but I, the fact that they did not get Kyron Williams on the field that much late last year uh, tells me something about how the Rams feel about him, perhaps. I kind of feel the same way about a guy that maybe let me go off on a tangent right here since we've talked about all these edge rushers. Another guy that I wonder what his future is with the Rams is Daniel Hardy. Uh, we've we've talked about all these guys that can get after the quarterback that the Rams drafted. Do you have a take on Daniel Hardy's future with this team? Is there going to be a role for him or is he going to be the next Chris Garrett? Um, that's a good question. I didn't really get a chance to see much of him outside of training camp last year. So your guess is as good as mine. Uh, he's probably just going to be one of the uh, one of the guys that's going to be thrown in there and given an opportunity. See who rises to the top. Maybe he does in his second year. Hopefully. Um, yeah, he's a little undersized as well, but um, it's going to be a very competitive edge rusher group. In, in camp, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Spring uh, the, and the preseason games, especially. Let's see who do we got next. We have a punter now. Um, prior to the draft, uh, Paul 
Tom and I went round and round, and I was making the argument the Rams should draft at least one special teams player, uh, a punter or a kicker. And Paul was against it. Tom, not thrilled with it. But they did, in fact, end up drafting a punter, Ethan Evans, out of Wingate, round seven, pick 223. Uh, Where do you fall on this drafting kickers argument? Mm. With 14 picks, I have no problem with them, you know, drafting one or two specialists. <clears throat> I was just, I was a little surprised because I think I took, I think I took Jordan Rodrigue a little too literally a month or two ago where she was involved with a meeting and she, her opinion was that it doesn't look like they're going to have the special team coaches in the draft room or at the draft house <laughs> when they're on the clock anywhere between round one and seven. So oh, really? uh, what that told me was that they're not going to, they weren't going to be have special teams guys in there lobbying for who they wanted as a special teams player. So with that said, it looks like they didn't really, they went away from that. They did draft a couple of guys uh, with special teams in mind. So um, after seeing, I didn't, really look at any punters but after uh after seeing what this kid can do uh i think they may they may have another greg the leg here with this <laughs> with this kid <laughs> He's, he looks like he has a phenomenal leg to be able to punt and also do kickoffs right exactly and i think what i'm thinking they did is hey let's draft a punter with a big leg and then that eases a little bit of the stress trying to get the right kicker in camp uh, you know, out of the undrafted pool, just to get a guy that's consistent and reliable, doesn't have to have a big leg. And then, uh, of course, they ended up getting the long snapper, which I was very happy about as well. So it's, uh, I kind of saw this coming. Talk about the preseason, our special teams, the field goals especially, are going to be a little bit more stressful than we're used to. You know, having Johnny Hecker and Greg the leg, and last year, Last couple of years, Matt Gay haven't had to worry about our kicking game too much over the last five, six, seven years, uh, except for that small period where before we had Matt Gay, that uh, we had the Sam Sloman and a couple other guys that came through that weren't very successful. But for the most part, the Rams kicking game has been pretty solid. And uh, I I think this is going to work out well, but it's going to still be some uh, a little nerve wracking in these early games, if it comes down to a field goal with these three rookies out there, mm-hmm. with the two rookies on field goals, of course. And uh, I assume that uh, uh, I'm guessing Ethan Evans would be the holder on kicks. I'm not even sure about that. Okay. And uh, what do we have left here? We still have two more picks left. We have uh, Jason Taylor, the second, the safety out of Oklahoma State. Round seven, pick 234. Do you have an opinion on him? Um, I can say that when, when the pick was made, I, it was a head-scratcher for me. Um, because I think as a positional player, as a safety at Oklahoma State, he, he has some traits, coverage. He has some coverage skills. But overall, as a safety, he just missed, missed way too many tackles. Yeah, I read that as well, yeah. And um, that's quite common amongst just about any scouting report you read on him. He's the type of guy that can cover people, but he really has no 
he doesn't he's not conscious of the ball in the air he really can't play the ball once he's in coverage uh but then if you play him as a safety and you he, he faces the action he can be a little bit tentative he doesn't play aggressively like he does when covering somebody in man coverage um though he did play special teams he was quite good and it made me think well maybe he was drafted to play special teams or be maybe to be a, like a nickel uh, coverage guy where he just applies a lot of pressure at the line of scrimmage. So um, my opinion is I don't think they drafted him just as a safety. He's a special teams guy you were referring to, think, the second special yeah, teams player. Correct. I think he's he's going to be a special teams ace or they drafted him to do something very specific on defense because the guys, uh, maybe in another conversation or later on, we can talk about the safeties. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about that more. All right. Uh, round seven, pick 259, the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, Dejuan Johnson, the edge rusher out of Toledo. Uh, I take issue with calling him an edge rusher. I'm not sure that's really what he is. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about Johnson? Uh, agree with you. If he's being called an edge rusher, I don't. In a 3-4, he's not going to be rushing from an outside linebacker position. Um, he's going to be, I think, a designated pass rusher, I think, from day one. Um, I think Morgan Fox is um, somebody that people can relate to. I think he's the type of guy that he'll get thrown in there in, in uh, you know, second and long, third and long, obvious, obvious passing situations, and he'll be asked to rush the passer from either – you know, from either anywhere from tackle to tackle on the inside from a five technique or three technique or whichever. So I think that's going to be his role. And I think he's another guy that's very versatile. I was reading, uh, I watched a YouTube video on him. I've mentioned this a couple a couple times on the podcast, I think, where uh, Toledo used him in a variety of ways. Uh, they even played him at nose tackle at times. He's not going to play nose, I think, in the NFL, but uh, he can fill a couple different roles on that defensive line. Of course, he's got to make the team as the 259th pick. You'd be a guy that uh, could end up on the practice squad. We'll have to see. Let's see. What else do we got? So um, before I move on to some follow-on questions, how, overall, how do you feel about this draft? And it sounds like there's only a couple of picks you took issue with. You must be pretty happy with it overall. Yeah, I was happy with it. Um... I'd have to say I'd almost give it uh, almost an A, I would think. Um, I think they ended up with some some very good players that can be good leaders. Um, three or four players, I think, that uh, uh, they're going to come in with chips on their shoulders and or they've already they've already worked their way up from, from nothing to achieve what they have. And I think that's a very good basis for uh, to start a professional career. I think they have a good foundation. Yeah, we figured that these guys, if the Rams really, um, as a lot of people are predicting, not going to be competitive this year, I think they still can be. But it does look uh, like they have a bright future moving forward. You know, the percentage of draft picks that you hit on is a lot lower than people realize. But when you have 14 picks and, you know, typically teams have about seven their odds, their odds of having impact players improve significantly, right? And I, plus the fact that I think a lot of these picks are grading out well. I, I think the Rams did a good job here. Are there any 
uh, undrafted free agents uh, that they signed that you wanted to talk about that you're especially excited about? Um, let's talk secondary. Um, I think like you, both you and I thought they were going to draft some cornerbacks. Um, I knew it would probably be late. So when I was sitting in front of the TV, when all the fifth round picks came up, I said, okay, we got this player still on the board and that player. And no, no cornerback. Okay. Maybe the sixth round. Uh, no, no quarterback. Well, we did draft Tomlinson, but right. uh, in my mind, I was looking for the larger uh, boundary quarterbacks that would play outside. Right. Um, so for example, um, when, just trying to see some of the uh, players that, for example, as the sixth and seven rounds went by, I mean, players like Terrell, Terrell Smith from Minnesota, he's a good size boundary. He, he was still on the board. Uh, Christian Braswell at a Rutgers, who I really like. Um, Jalen Jones, one of the Texas school, A&M is where he's from. Um, my favorite was Carrington Valentine out of Kentucky. He, he was on the board for an, numerous picks in the fifth, sixth round, and he they never took him. Or Corey Trice, the tall kid out of Purdue, who they had had a, a meeting with. Um, I was surprised they didn't select any of those, those players. So uh, with that said, um, I was thinking, well, shoot, with so many, with such low numbers on the roster at this time, they should be able to sign a couple of um, cornerbacks from big schools that didn't get drafted. Uh, but I was surprised. I mean, the cornerbacks that they, they ended up signing were, it was kind of few and far between. There's a, there's a Jones from um, Rhode Island. Um, we got the one kid from Arizona state who's going to be, I think a special teams ace um, after watching tape on him. He blocked a couple of kicks. Uh, it was a good, he was a gunner on the punt team. Um trying to remember his to, name to mark to marcus davis exactly yeah um i'm sure he'll get he'll get reps as a cornerback but i got a gut feeling he's one of those guys that was brought in for his uh special team skills and what he's produced at arizona state as a you know on kick teams and so forth um the other one that i think that has the highest i think the best chance is the kid they they brought in from tulsa um has a similar Tyon, Tyon Davis, Tyon Davis. Yeah. He's about six foot. He's got good size and he is, he just looks like the thorn in the side of every receiver he, he covered. Um, he just covers them like glue. I'm very excited to see him in training camp. Um, and then one of your questions was, um, what do you think about the kid that they just picked up from the Saints? Yeah. Vincent Gray, Vincent Gray. Yes. Um, I'm not too sure. He's six two. He has he has the size I'm looking for. Right, you know, exactly. Cornerback, uh, the length and the height. Um, I was concerned that he didn't get a chance. I don't think he even saw the field last year. I think he was on the practice squad. Right. Season. So, I watched a little bit of tape on him. I liked what I saw. His his speed is average. He ran about a four five five at the combine, but his ten second split was very good. So he's quicker than he is fast. And when the Rams asked their cornerbacks to play, to play facing the action in kind of off coverage, um, react and move quickly forward to the ball, 
that's in front of you. I think he has those traits. So uh, I see why they picked him up. Um, I think he'll, he would work good in their uh, quarters coverage scheme. Um, I'd be love to see him in training camp. So um, if I could transition to the safeties, uh, sure. <clears throat> I think the safeties are the most, uh, the most interesting to me. Um, I wrote on another site that the Ram safety room is full. <laughs> yeah, you're I, right. I think this is the 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 most um, quality they've had at the uh, safety position going into training camp in a few years. Um, so for review, we had Jordan Fuller, who's the the grandpa now of the room. Um, Quentin Lake and Rush East were brought in last year. Yeast saw a lot of playing time because Quentin was was uh, injured, went into camp and missed half the year. Um, they also had an undrafted kid from Georgia, Richard LeCount, LeCount uh, who hasn't seen any playing time yet. So you had those four. They drafted Jason Taylor. We talked about him. And then they brought in Quindell Johnson from Memphis, uh, Rashad Torrance from Florida, and uh, Tanner Engel from North Carolina State, um, and there's one more. There's a kid from Mississippi, old Mississippi State, who uh, um, I'm not going to mention. I don't. I don't think he has the skills to compete. But anyhow, um, they gave Quindell Johnson uh, a nice thirty thousand dollar bonus. So there's there's high hopes for him uh, to make the team. I thought he was going to be drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Um, Rashad Torrance was was a great producer at at uh, Florida, although he doesn't seem to have the long speed to be able to play. You know, for those teams that sometimes leave their they leave their safety as a one high and ask him to cover a lot of ground. I don't think he has the speed to do that. But you know, if the Rams are playing cover two or a cover three, um, and only ask him to cover a shorter amount of space, I think he's perfect. Um, I'm most intrigued with the kid from North Carolina State. His name's uh, Tanner Engel. Um, he's a little bit smaller, like uh, Russ Yeast is, who came out of um, Kansas State last year. But Tanner Engel, he's he's just a monster uh, at five ten. He just he covers he covers the field like a roaming linebacker. Um, great tackler. He's good in coverage. Um, probably doesn't have enough speed to cover receivers downfield in the NFL yet. Um, but just as a general safety, he's somebody I'm very confident leaving on the back end to keep uh, long plays from coming to fruition. So, and probably be a special teams demon. So the safety room is uh, by far, I think the most interesting and very deep, very glad to see. Yeah, I agree. I did a roster prediction and i actually had them carrying six safeties because i just don't see them being able to cut some of these guys now i don't know if they actually end up carrying six but if they don't there's going to be some good players uh put on the practice squad or released or uh whatnot but yeah i agree uh, the safety group looks really strong the cornerback group maybe they like Robert Rochelle and Darion Kendrick more than we realize. I think Kobe Durant's probably a uh, going to be a starter for sure. Everything mm-hmm. else I think is up for grabs. But uh, yeah, good stuff. I think in general, I think I was just I was pleasantly surprised 
um, by the fact of the offensive players they were able to draft in general, because I think both you and I thought that there was going to be a de- defensive heavy draft and that we might be able to get a backup tight end here or a backup quarterback late in the draft. For them to come away with the quarterback, Nakua, the tight end from Clemson, and the running back from Ole Miss, I was just like, after the draft, I thought about it and I just said, wow, all the holes we filled on defense and we got all these offensive players who I think can make impacts. I thought that was phenomenal. It's really interesting to see the various predictions on how the Rams season could go. The easy answer is they're going to struggle. And there's a lot of people that are obviously saying it's just going to be a horrible, horrible season for the Rams. And I think that take is just, it reflects a a lack of understanding of how the NFL works. And Mm. it's okay to say, hey, you know what? The Rams are going to be up against it. They're going to, they could very possibly have a tough year, but to count them out completely is just silly. In my opinion, that's just mm-hmm. not how the NFL works. Everybody, everybody wanted to count the Seahawks out last year and they had a pretty good season and the Rams still have a lot of talent. Yeah. There's some questions. There's some issues and these rookies have to get out on the field and prove themselves. So hopefully four or five of them will in 2023, but I'm still hopeful. I, I think the Rams, if they get on a, if they can get an early win uh, in those first three games, get out of the gate just one and two, mm. they could be set up for a decent season. Oh, I agree. I agree. The um, I, a lot of people that look at it overall, they don't realize that the Rams have kept just about every single player on offense. They've got all the offensive players coming back healthy. They added to the offensive line. They filled some of the holes that they had Stafford's going to be healthy. This is one of the higher scoring teams in the NFL. There's a good chance the Rams are going to get out to some leads in a, more than half their games. And it's, they're just going to need that defense to just try to keep the other team from outscoring them. It's going to be interesting. Somebody from CBS predicted the Rams with a nine and eight record. Um, right. I uh, saw that. Yeah. I got a prescription to PFF and they've got a new game simulator game uh, season simulator. I ran that yesterday, and, and the simulator, I ran it just once, but it came out with a 9-8 and eight record. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I, I've seen that a few times, and uh, we'll have to see. It's going to be a fun season. It's going to be an interesting season. And, and as far as the defense goes, you know, it's kind of scary to go into a season with so many young guys and so many unproven guys and just a different defense than we're used to seeing but, you know, offenses may be at a little bit of a disadvantage going against this defense as well. You know, it's it's uh, they don't know anything about this defense, really, other than Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones. They don't know what they're going up against. Uh, I, I think the advantage is still to the offense in that, you know, um, they dictate the play, obviously, and they can take advantage of rookie mistakes and all that. But there could be some... Uh, Maybe the Rams' defense will have some surprises for the opposition as well. That's a good question, and maybe it's too early to ask this question. You know, do you think they'll stick to the "bend don't break" philosophy that they've been practicing the last couple of years, or is it just too early to tell? Um, I think they're going to stay with it. Um, the only thing that I don't like when people criticize the defensive coordinator is. They'll say, oh, they, the cornerbacks play so far off the line of scrimmage and they give up all kinds of yardage every play after play. 
And I said, okay, well, then let's look at the other end. How many big plays? Do the Rams give up as many big plays as some of the other teams in the league? And the question is no. They give up quite a bit less number of big touchdown plays as the other as other teams in the league. So it, it's a trade-off. I, with all these young players, I would rather have them play safeties deep and let the underneath completions take place and tackle the ball carrier and make them play another play and force the offense to do that. 12 to 15 times down the field in order to score. Um, and instead of having, you know, young, a rookie cornerback getting beat or a young safety getting beat over the top, I continue to see that same scheme to be run. I think it, it would. Yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. And the the reason the bend don't break worked for the Rams, at least for a while, was because their red zone defense was also very good. You know, give up a 12 play drive and then uh, make them kick a field goal. Uh, what hurt them last year, I think, is they'd give up a 12-play drive, and maybe they'd give up a field goal. And then their offense, due to all the injuries and pretty pretty dismal play on offense, you know, they're a three and out, and then their defense is on the field for another 12-play drive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to halftime, the defense has been out there for, for three or four, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-play drives, and their offense is, you know, it's almost back to the Jeff Fisher days where you're just punting the ball away, mm. and it doesn't matter how good your defense plays. They're just on the field too much. They get worn down, and it's not a winning formula. But, you know, this year we can hope the offense, like you alluded to, is more productive, uh, which makes the bend-don't-break uh, possibly a working formula. You know, the offense puts mm-hmm. up some points. The defense gives up long drives and forces field goals. That's what we can hope for anyways, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, give that defense an opportunity to play with the lead, and um, it won't look like a bend-don't-break defense at that point. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And and also, if you're putting up points, you know, it gives the edge rushers a better chance to, uh, you know, the offense is going to start dropping back, trying to throw passes more, uh, trying to take more chances. You get more turnovers, you get mm-hmm. more sacks, and just everything comes together. Right. Hey, Scott, I, I really appreciate you joining me on a Sunday morning. This is fun. I love talking to other Ram fans, especially knowledgeable ones, get their feedback on the draft. And we'll do this again. Uh, maybe we'll talk again. And over the summer, when things start to come together for the Rams, we'll have another talk. Uh, one of these days, I got you. I got to get you on with Paul Walia and Tom Kortz, have a little uh, four-way discussion. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, I would love that. Okay. Thanks a lot, Scott. And uh, until next time, have a great summer. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Mark. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Until next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama.
What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.